And now, coming to you live from our coast-to-coast trading desk, this is Moby.co Live, a weekly live podcast where we discuss everything about the stock market, the economy, and the mechanics that power the world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starr Northrop. I'm joined, as always, by Moby.co co-founder and chief analyst, Justin Kramer. Justin, man, what's good, man? Great to have you on the channel. What's what's good today, dude? Not much, man. Uh, all good so far. How's everything going by you? Going pretty well. I mean, it's a pretty wild time in the market, right? Like, we've got a lot of, we're still deep in earnings season, and everyone's having just a conniption, like Amazon. Amazon's down a little bit off of the supply chain crisis. Apple is up after their earnings call, even though they're saying that they're going to have supply chain issues moving through Q4. So as always, it maintains being a super interesting time. The main thing everyone's talking about is the kind of, I don't, I really don't have words to describe the press release that happened today coming out of Facebook. Facebook is now meta. Google is now alphabet. Facebook is completely shifting its focus away from the social internet and entirely shifting into the metaverse, um, which is making your Roblox call look better and better all the time, dude. Like, what are your there, like, why on earth will we be focusing on the metaverse right now if you're not Roblox as a company? No, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, Facebook, like, I, I guess, like, it's hard to say, like, truly what they're thinking without, like, working at the company or even, like, being in the C-suite realistically. Um, but given, like, kind of what's going on in the advertising world, like, they don't really have a choice. Um, we talked about this last week. We've been talking about it, honestly, for months, if not years now. Um, like, the data privacy changes, how they make their money, like, it just, it can't go on anymore. Um, like, with iOS 14 and a half. We talked about this last week. We probably sound like a broken record at this point, but it's like their ability to track people across the open internet is going to continue to be impaired week over week, month over month, year over year. Um, so they're going to have an extremely, extremely tough time like making money as a company. So like, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying a pivot, but this actually feels like a pivot from the company that bought Oculus six years ago and hasn't touched it since. Um, they're calling it a metaverse similar to how Google's calling it, you know, Alphabet. Um, but their idea is to tie more into AR, VR. Um, they tried this with crypto a few years ago and it went nowhere as well. So I'm skeptical to see their actual commitment to it. The fact that they changed the name of the like, holding company and like launch a site makes me believe it's a little bit more real than crypto, but they haven't shown or proven that they can be successful in this arena at all. So until they like actually start revamping their product and are able to like transform who they are, like me personally as an investor, I'm in no position to say like, oh yeah, I believe in them. Like let's completely change our narrative on them. Um, they're, they're a multi-billion dollar company due to ad revenue spend. Um, even if they're successful at this, it's going to take time to even come close to the amount of revenue they're doing now. And their valuation on their ad spend side is going to get dinged. I mean, this is going to be a multi-year project. I, I just, I don't know how anyone is saying this is a good time to enter like a company like Facebook right now. Yeah, like my entire corner of Finn Twitter has just been bragging about how they've made their, their Facebook exits right now. Like just off of the tiny little pop they had at the beginning of the week after earnings, they had a lot of really good um, what is it called? Uh, calls. Um, and they had, you know, they didn't get hit too hard, right? All of the sort of ad revenue going down is basically priced in at this point. But this huge pivot is going to be a multi-year process. So I, I feel like you're right on the money. Like the value play right now is wait until the Facebook value starts correcting as ad revenue keeps going down quarter over quarter and as the metaverse continues to not be anything. I feel like the main thing this is going to be, it's not really a good or bad for Facebook. It's a pause on any face positions you may have, but it is a great time. It is an awesome time to be Roblox. This is I- insane. The developer community they developed, the incredible, you know, market mass they have. Roblox's earnings is on November 9th, and it's like the, I've marked my calendar, Justin, like it's going to be super exciting, um, given that like all market sentiment is, is now shifting so hard into the metaverse. How do you feel if you're, you're, the, you're the team at Roblox right now? Like, kind, it kind of feels like the market is shifting your way, right? Yeah, I mean, totally. They like anticipated this kind of like years before anyone else did. I think you see Fortnite, you see some games that have like enhanced this like quote unquote metaverse. Um, 
Um, and then you have NFTs, which is obviously like is making that more popular. Um, but Roblox, yeah, I mean, they've been ahead of it for years and it's a stock that we wrote. We wrote them up over the summer, so it's not too long ago. Uh, like kind of looking at their pricing since then, it's been it's been up. It's not up a ton. So it's not like you missed, you know, an insane amount of upside. Um, this is a company though that like we're holding and going to end up holding for years. Like to your point, the, the like metaverse, the development that you can build on top of their metaverse, the de developers that they have working for them who want to work for them who are developing outside it's like they have some really exciting stuff coming i don't know if necessarily it'll transpire in their next earnings call like now but i have to imagine at the very least uh their management team is going to be putting out a pretty positive note on the outlook for the company which is usually like the prime factor and what drives uh like the stock price like you look at twilio twilio got crushed today and it's because their management team put out not the best forecast with like a lot of the supply chain issues like everyone else is dealing with even though revenues absolutely crushed so yeah i mean long story short uh i think that's like something that i'm going to look at very closely rather than necessarily the results immediately exactly and there's just so many shifts happening when you're thinking about this like it really feels like the foundation of the internet itself is going under some really seismic realignments like not only um are we ex are we watching the facebook and facebook's primary competitor moving from being google to being roblox you're also watching google begin to edge into apple space by reducing its app store fees and suddenly lots more um apps are being downloaded over on the google play store as Google just says, well, you know, we're not going to be the same as Apple. We're not going to be Apple's walled garden. We're not going to make it impossible for you to make money um, in our ecosystem. So it's really interesting to see how these things are going to shake out as Apple becomes its own walled garden with these privacy settings as they begin to sort of dismantle a lot of the social internet. It's going to be interesting to watch what Google does both on the advertising side as well as the device side. But when we're looking at all these shifts happening, I think the biggest thing as I think about apps, and I'm going to do a wild shift here, is the statistic that came out today. Uh, Justin, Coinbase is the most downloaded app on the internet right now, more than TikTok, more than any social media app, more than anything, the king of the internet right now is Coinbase. As, um, like, you know, crypto's doing okay. There's a lot of volatility right now. Everyone knows it's Cryptober. So Bitcoin had its big pop and then a, a minor correction as it gears up for another big push during November, probably, who's to say. Uh, but right now, it's kind of the meme and altcoin renaissance as, you know, Shiba, Shiba Inu had its huge pump this week. Um, I can't even keep up with all your calls in the crypto NFT channel when you're, when you're, when you're talking about. We're also talking about, um, you know, Cheems, Samo, Lucid. Uh, there's a lot to keep up with and a lot happening so fast. So I know I, we're keeping this extremely high level, Justin, but when you're looking at uh, the seismic shift in the market, we're going to have another thing where there's going to be a lot of crypto newbies pumping up a lot of, uh, pumping up like a lot of the normal coins as well as a lot of the altcoins. Um, so can I get like your high level view of how to sort of watch this altcoin boom? Is there any, are there any signs I should keep like an eye out for as I, you know, kind of hold the line during this really volatile and wild period as crypto heats up even hotter now that like the whole eye of the internet seems to be focused on it. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, first, I just want to agree with you. The the fact that Coinbase is the number one downloaded app above TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all those like historically most downloaded apps for years is insane. Um, like you always knew the trend was big, but knowing it's that big, it kind of takes it to another level and makes it that much more real. Um, and we call this out also like in the Robinhood earnings, not from, from this quarter, but last quarter, that they were starting to make more money from crypto like significantly more money from crypto than they were from um, from traditional equities, which has historically been like their, their prime revenue source. Seeing that, seeing like the trends go now, like I don't think anyone was debating it over the last few months, which was here to stay. But over the last few years, it definitely was. Spiked up in 2017, it fell for a few years. People thought it was kind of dead, even though there was some work going on in the background. And now it's, I, I'll never say anything is too big to fail, but it's gotten to the point now, even with an eventual pullback, which there will be a, there will uh, without a doubt be a spike or an 
not a spike, sorry, but a significant drop in crypto at some point over the next few years, it's, it's inevitable. I think we're at the point now where we can say there will strongly be a recovery. So for any of those periods of like supreme weakness, we're definitely going to be using that to add to our position. And so a few years ago, it would have been a lot more, you know, daunting. But today it's like, okay, well, we feel pretty confident that it's going to rebound. And so like the current state of affairs is we're kind of like in a unique position. So crypto is hovering around like, and by crypto, I'm going to be referring to Bitcoin here. Bitcoin's hovering around 61K. Uh, Ethereum's around 4.2K. Um, and those are, you know, obviously the two largest coins in the marketplace by far. Um, those two alone are, are approaching all-time highs. They've been floating around it for some time now. So there is, when we look at kind of like the technical charts, it, it's an interesting position where it could go towards an inflection higher or could get like selling off. This is the first time, I think for, for us as investors in crypto that we're, we're not super bullish. Um, you know, having said that, we're definitely going to hold exposure on some parts, but I want to hedge some of the downside over the immediate term as I see there is a potential with such a large run-up and uh, like some charts being overbought that we could be seeing a dip uh, in the coming weeks or months to come. So something to definitely be cognizant of. Um, and then for some of the smaller coins to see surges there. So like Shiba Inu being like a top 10 most popular coin. And if you go to Coinbase right now and you type in Coinbase as an app, they have trade, like, and this is for like ASO, which is App Store Optimization. They have trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, which are the two most popular keywords. And then the third is Shiba, Shiba Inu, trade Shiba, which is insanely mind-blowing that the number one most traded app is using that as one of their keywords, which shows you the pop this coin off. So the reason I'm bringing that up is because I don't think it's a good investment and I do think it's approaching like peak popularity. Having said that though, there is still more room for it to run. Trading at like $32 million market cap, Dogecoin is closer to 40, you know, that's starting to approach territory where there's some upside, but the next few coins like Polkadot and XRP and Solana that actually, you know, they're not a meme, they're real coins. Like that's when it starts approaching like the reversion territory back down towards the negative. So I never want to be shorting something that has strong talons behind it, but I mean, it's it's hard to continue thinking that this is going to run up. And I mean, I think it's down even 24% in the last 24 hours, but for some of the smaller coins, you're definitely seeing run. So this is going to be a really big trading environment where we call it, I try to call it as much as I can in our crypto channel. You got to be in, you got to be out, you know, fairly quickly when you could spot good opportunities. So it's a, it's a very, very volatile market. It's, it's going to be hard to hold anything besides like the big three for, for some time. And exactly. And for me, that's, that's as, as a very conservative, deeply Catholic investor, always waiting for the entire world to fall apart. That's the kind of game I'm always going to be playing, right? Like I'm always going to be playing the slow, but steady wins the race. Like I have confidence in the, in the crypto market cycle at this point that I'm not going to leave the well-established ecosystem. I've been, I've been burned by me, by meme coins. Ask me about my significant garlic coin position. If you, you want to hear like a sad sob story at some point, but uh, I'm really excited for the future of Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, and a few of those, a few of those stable coins as well. It, it's a really exciting time to be in crypto, but I think it's an exciting time to play the cycle more than try to find the moon coin. Like it's already, the time to get into Shiba was last year when it had its first spike. And if you're that one guy who bought $8,000 worth of Shiba Inu what, 400 days ago, congratulations on having $5.6 billion. Like that one Shiba wallet is absolutely incredible to think about. But that's, you know, that's not happening again out of the current volume that Shiba has. Like if Shiba went up that much again, it would be more valuable than all the other companies on earth, dude. Um, more 
over. It's it's just one of those things where you know you can you can play it really aggressively as long as you have the time, or you can play it you know kind of conservatively, understanding that you're going to gradually build up your what is it called um, uh, reserve current your reserves in terms of your your speculative asset money, and that's the thing I always want to play around with. Um, and that kind of gets us into what we think about uh, as we roll through this. So if you want to keep thinking about crypto, folks, we're going to be boosting up our ability to give better notifications in our crypto crypto NFT channel, just so you have those up to the minute uh, realizations. But keep in mind, we don't have a full time crypto watcher here at Moby.co, comma yet. Uh, but it's one of those things where we're not going to hit all of the right moments. But it's one of those things where if you have the time, you know, throw a couple hundred dollars at a couple of meme coins, throw throw some money at Cat Girl, see what happens. Throw your throw stuff at Millpoint. Like I don't know why that's the trend in crypto right now, but I'll take it. Moreover, um, it kind of gets us into other spikes that have happened. And so when we're looking at uh, a lot of the volatility we're seeing, we're focusing a lot of positive volatility. And I want to keep talking about that because this week we've been thinking really deeply about Tesla as they, uh, on Monday, you know, added, what is it, $120 billion worth of market cap to their stock and became, you know, the latest addition to the trillion dollar club. Um, I don't think we can talk, we don't need to talk about that more. If you want to, you know, hear more about our thoughts on Tesla, watch the video we posted to YouTube earlier today. I think the main thing though, Justin, I think the real interesting thing that I want to ask you about is Lucid because suddenly on the, on the heels of, uh, of Tesla kind of establishing itself as yes, if you're an EV first company with a lot of R&D and a centralized supply chain, congratulations, you can have this absolutely obscene valuation. Uh, Lucid is up big today, Justin. So I'm curious, like, what's your view on the EV market? Is market sentiment just shifting towards EVs? Is it more people being so concerned about supply chains that they're hunting down people with centralized production? Like, what's the deal here? Is it just is it just springtime for EVs or what, man? Yeah, I mean, again, like, we call it a humble brag, call it what you want. Um, in September 21st, so about over a month ago, we, we published Lucid. Called Justin out exactly in the post. So like, there's going to be winners in the EV space. Obviously, Tesla is going to be one of them, but company like there has to be other winners. And like, yes, GM, a, a stock we like, and Volkswagen, and all these companies are transitioning EV, but it's not in their DNA. It's not who they are. There needs to be another EV first player like Lucid, who actually is able to like compete with what Tesla is doing. And even if they don't compete, taking market share of such a large market, there's like a transformational shift in going from combustion-based engines to electric vehicles. Even the second, third place winner, it's still such a massive market opportunity. And so when you look at EV first companies, Lucid is like, it's crazy to say because they don't have a dollar in revenue yet. They're probably like the next closest there. And what kind of spurred the run today outside of like Talwins and Tesla over the last few days is that they pushed up their delivery schedule, I believe, to start in the next two days. And so having that, having what we've seen with Tesla, like the time has been set up for a while, but is really starting to come to fruition now. And Lucid specifically, like they have a best in class EPA rated range of 520, 520 miles. Um, they, you know, while they did $0 in revenue, Tesla is doing over $15 billion a quarter right now. Um, you go to China, which is such a opportunity over there. They're going to be the largest EV in the market in the world. And by the year 2030, they're projected to have over 40% of car sales be from EVs alone. And the opportunity is huge. I mean, it's every single person or every single person in the car who owns, sorry, every single person in the world who owns a car. If they want to get an electric car, I mean, the market is just huge. And so like this fundamental shift in how people consume is happening right before our eyes. And Lucid is right there, honestly, to take huge, huge market share. Um, so I mean, it's a it's a long-winded way of saying like we absolutely love the company. I did not think that it would pop up in price this fast. We got in at 24 and it's already, I don't know the exact price right now, but I think earlier today it was in the mid thirties. I mean, it's already up 40% since we recommended it. You know, I definitely didn't see it coming that fast. This was news today that they're a schedule, but I mean, this is just step one on the way to, you know, being over a hundred dollar stock easily. Um, it's going to take that. I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but if you're looking to hold onto a stock that's going to pay, you know, two, three, four X over the next few years with, you know, hopefully not taking on 
too much risk, I, I honestly don't see a better, like this has got to be a top five stock for you. Exactly. Especially when you think about not only is it, is it the EV tailwinds, it's the manufacturing tailwinds as well. Like you're seeing uh, deliveries increase for basically every Chinese EV manufacturer. So Li Auto, Xpeng, and Neo are all doing really awesome. Like combined, they've all uh, in, like 200% increased their deliveries uh, in September from January, which is just because it's easier to source things like semiconductors in on the Chinese market right now. Uh, you just have a little bit of an easier time if you have a kind of centralized production in China and are focused on the Chinese market and you don't have to deal with the very, very huge problems plaguing the Pacific Ocean right now. So it's, it's really, it's one of those really important things to keep in mind. I mean, obviously props to you for making that lucid call. I really want to make a stock index of the picks you make that I ignore versus the picks you make that I jump on because uh, <laughs> what happens is I ignore a pick you make and uh, it, it explodes and then I jump on a pick that you get me really excited about like desktop metal and um, I go down 46 yeah no I mean dude, same same thing here because like I have I have my gum portfolio that I don't like public like publicize because it's it's not traded on merit it's like almost my gambling portfolio and then I have the stocks that I recommend I'm actually thinking and when I don't have time to be executing the trades myself those are obviously well um and then like with my dumb portfolio that I'm like playing around money with those those bomb and it's like oh maybe I should actually start like creating an ETF or an index that tracks my actual recommendations so I have time to trade them since we so often <laughs> it's, it's definitely the same for me one here exactly that's that's half the fun of you know of playing this game of doing these picks like it's one it's you just kind of kind of roll with the punches and understand that even though you like the fundamentals yeah. of a company it's just sometimes you don't feel like adding it to your portfolio and then you have to deal with the FOMO when like Lucid goes up a ludicrous 40% oh yeah yeah but no I know people people ask us all the time like it's like you're putting out so much information should I be trading it all and, and maybe this is a good point to kind of segue into it's like you shouldn't you know we put out five picks a week like i, I don't think anyone really unless they're like a full-time trader should be trading five picks a lot but it's it's a good education and it's b like gives you like the chance to, to choose different stocks that you believe in so like we put out a biotech stock the other day and it's like that fundamentally believes with like aligns with some people's like strategic view on the world and so like to do to trade every single one of our picks how those picks interact with your portfolio of your picks there's there's a lot of dynamics there that like makes it very personalized so yeah i mean it's hard to it's hard to keep up and like <laughs> to trade everyone even for even for ourselves as the people who's putting out research. No, exactly. And that is, that is a good, that is a solid transition into biotech. Um, you did put out a really awesome research report on Ginkgo Bioworks, uh, I do believe, uh, two days ago, right? Um, and it's yeah. one of those rare instances where you put out a price target um, and a target date that are both just hugely far away. And so rather than like, you know, talk about Ginkgo Bioworks too much because we are running out of time, like I will, I will literally sit here for 45 minutes and explain, you know, why Ginkgo rules, why what it does is so much smarter than anybody else who is trying to to, um, do gene editing in any in any application. Like this is a really strong technology that has a lot of applications that are not necessarily profitable, but scalable. The number one rule in biotech is scale. And the number one problem that hurts biotech companies is scale. The reason Theranos failed spectacularly is, well, first of all, it's fraud. And B, what they were promising is <laughs> li literally not physically possible. You cannot scale a single drop of human blood. You can't scale a mil milliliter size volume of blood and find all the chemicals you need to find in it. There's just not enough chemicals. Uh, turns out your blood is full of genuinely hundreds of millions of different proteins, chemical indicators, all sorts of tomfoolery. Blood is not just liquid. It's just a big pile of protein, honestly. And th that's why Theranos failed, because you, a single milliliter is going to be a single snapshot. Meanwhile, Ginkgo Bioworks has a very scalable process when it comes to gene editing, as well as using computers and AI to make that process simpler. So uh, bioinformatics fucking rocks right now. Forgive me for swearing. So Justin, I guess rather than think about like the application the actual technology itself. Take me through why you take me through like how you think about when you're looking at biotech stocks, con considering that biotech is one of those industries where people, a 
lot of traders treat it like an industry where I go, I throw some money, and I understand it's almost certainly catching on fire, but maybe I'll get lucky and find, you know, the next Moderna or whatever. Like, what's your process as you think about um, making this kind of pick, looking at the fundamentals of the company itself, not necessarily the biotech applications? Yeah, I mean, dude, biotech's fucking hard. Like, to your point, it's it's more rooted in the science rather than any fundamentals. So, like, if you're analog company, it's like, it's so hard to say, oh, like, we'll project them to do well because at the end of the day, to your point, it's science. It's like, it either works or it doesn't, or you eventually figure out how it works, but you can't project it. It's like a binary outcome. It's either, you know, it either is a zero or a one. So we've historically stayed away from stocks like that because like, I'm not a fucking scientist. So like, you know, it's hard for us to like have a, a truly educated opinion on the matter. With Moderna specifically, that was a, that was an easier call because the world needed a vaccine and every single study we saw published had them like trending towards the first company to get it approved outside of um, outside of Pfizer. But that one was more so like following trends and seeing the process was. So, you know, we, we fortunately were able to do pretty well on that one. But with something like um, Ginkgo Bioworks, which is just like so revolutionary in nature and is so early stage. And even with the progress they have, it's going to be like years before like there's really like applications that are either by the FDA or make it into like some sort of mainstream. You know, it, it's it's hard to come to conclusions like that. So with them specifically, the reason we got kind of conviction was, was two things. One, um, we've been following the CEO for a while, um, you know, seeing what he's accomplished, his like record of what they've done with the funding so far, the kind of things they stood up, the projects they've gotten. When you start comparing that to other like kind uh, overall biotech projects, there's kind of like this very interesting point where they've made significantly more progress and are on this road to like success that a lot of either like even very large biotech companies that were funded to their extent have not. And so seeing like that early success is we're kind of taking a bet on the team and taking almost like a venture concept that they'll find out or figure out some some real like long-term applications. And so that's kind of like scenario one is betting on the team, betting on the success to date. And then scenario two, um, or not scenario two rather, but the reason number two is honestly due to a lot of conversations that we um, within the industry in terms of scientists, um, we've talked with like certain independent consultants and started to really get like a third party opinion on where this company is, where the industry is, is even is like they could be doing everything they need, but is the, is the technology just not there? Are they 20 years away, they years away? And so after a lot of time spending with those people um, who kind of gave us a lot of insight into the industry, we realized that the timing right now is actually great. And that Ginkgo, again, is is making progress that a lot of people either, a lot of people haven't. So between kind of the two of those, we were able to get conviction and kind of bet on the long term. And so if you read the post itself, we're not giving price targets, but this is again, similar to Lucid is like a stock that you hold for years, hoping that it pans out. And again, it, it's high risk, but similar to Lucid, if they, if they're able to figure it out and even be the, you know, the second or third best company, CRISPR is going to be, you know, it's here to stay. The technology is here and we're we're betting on them over the next, you know, several year period. Precisely. And not only that, but CRISPR is a technology that's only going to improve as well. There's a lot of little cool um, protein things you can do to the CRISPR machine itself. Like we're talking about CRISPR as like a, as a thing we discovered. It's a machine we discovered inside bacteria, right? And there's a lot of little tiny improvements that can be made to it. A lot of really great iterations, but that also require immense computing power. And so as, you know, the science of bioinformatics improves and as the and as companies like AlphaFold really start solving the protein folding problem, you're going to have these two things kind of converge. And that's another place where Ginkgo Bioworks is extraordinarily valuable because what, what you are seeing is a really powerful technology, but it's it's great to have, you know, a microscope, but you need to know what to look at, right? And so as bioinformatics improves and as we under, get a better understanding of like the different constellations of proteins we need to be analyzing, we're going to get a much, much better view into the kinds of therapies 
Pete's Ginkgo can make. It's one of those things that's going to be very much exponential, and that's something I'm excited for. And it's one of the reasons why Moderna ma maintains value, because mRNA technology is not just valuable for vaccines. It's actually a very, very important way that we can think about as a treatment mechanism for lots of diseases. And, and I'm very, and uh, it's one of those things where you didn't mention that in your initial report, um, but if I had been working at Moby.co at the time, I would have been like, yeah, absolutely jump in Moderna, because this is this is going to cure, uh, this is going to stop COVID. I mean, I wish I, I wish it had, but we need to get to a bigger vaccine basis, but it's going to stop AIDS um, in the next two to five years. Uh, so there's, there's there's a lot of really exciting moments in there, and I want you to think about how you compound that. That's kind of getting us, we're, we're a little bit over time, Justin, but I want to make sure that we get to audience questions. We do have a couple. Uh, we have one, actually, we have, we have a couple, but they're all on the same topic, right? And audience, I want to keep in mind, I didn't say this up front, I'll, I will be saying this up front in the recorded part of this, but during these conversations, you have uh, access to a channel called Voice Chat. Hit us up there with any questions you have. Um, if you want them to be a little bit more immediate, you can also DM me, Moby Star, here on Discord. And feel free to DM me throughout the week if there's any topics that you're thinking about that you want to have this like long conversation about. We do plan these conversations in advance, but if you say, ask me the day before, Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2, 2 p.m. Pacific, I will 1,000% do the research I need to prime our analysts on any questions you have if you want us to do any kind of deep dives, if there's any particular subject that you are very curious about. I want to make sure that these conversations serve you, our brilliant and probably beautiful audience, right? Like, it's not Justin and I are just here talking for fun. Like, we can do that offline, uh, but uh, I'm really excited to make sure that I can get you guys the information you need. So, Justin, number one question. You have been an honest-to-God soothsayer in the crypto channel, and the thing that has really captured the imagination of our audience is Solana. You initiated a position a couple of months back, and then you exited that position right at the peak, right? Like, literally, you, you exited Solana when it hit 200. It's back down to 196, right? Um, and it's kind of holding steady just, just below 200, but it's honestly incredible that you timed that brilliantly, and uh, people in our crypto NFT channel look at that in awe. They're like, holy, uh, this guy's in, this guy's from the future. This guy's like a, like a traveling scientist. He's not of this world. He cannot be of this time um, because of just like the, the maximum uh, bottom to peak timing you did for Solana. So the major question is, people are watching that, so they just want to, you know, get your high-level view. When's the next time to have a new position be entered? Because there's a lot of things to think about with Solana, right? It's probably not going to get a lot of that sort of alt altcoin pressure that um, we're going to see during Cryptober and Cryptvember and Crypt December, right? It's going to probably be more in the meme coin space. But at the same time, if you look at the ratio of Solana wallets to Ethereum wallets, Solana's price should be more around 900. Uh, is one, uh, you know, Twitter analysis I saw earlier today, or maybe it was yesterday. So I'm not saying like, you know, Solana has a potential 10x upside. Like I'm not an analyst. I'm, I'm a bio major, right? That talks about stocks on the internet. How did that happen? My question for you, Justin, is how are you thinking about like the next time you're going to initiate a new position? Like what are you going to be watching when you think it's time to jump back on the Solana train and ride that, ride that all the way to wherever? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah. So like, honestly, a lot of it is just like technical analysis. I, I, I don't really believe, which is hilarious. I don't really believe in technical analysis in the traditional markets. Um, if, if people could just look at charts and, <laughs> and tell you what was going to happen every day, like it, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. There's a reason it doesn't work and because it's too easy. Um, people, I saw a funny comparison once that like, uh, technical analysis is essentially just, um, what is that called? Uh, you're going to do the, uh, it's, it, you're going to say but, uh, technical analysis astrology for white dudes. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> 
Yeah, I couldn't think of the name. It's the, uh, it's the classic. It's the classic joke. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It, like, it's actually true. It's like it's that. Having said that, in the crypto markets, there are no fundamentals. I mean, like Solana isn't like helping print money. I mean, it's helping move money and like things can stay on top of it. But there's no like inherent thing that you can like look at a balance sheet or an income statement and be like, oh yeah, this is going up or it's going down. You know, it's like there's no projections. So like technical analysis is the, is the best we have. Um, short of like following the projects themselves, which even I mean, if you look at the meme coins, it's it's mostly just hype and marketing. Um, that's the best we have to look at. So when you look at Solana and we trim the position when it hit 200, I think on October 25th, I mean, the chart is just like, again, it's take a look at it. It's like it follows a trend line. It's moving averages, move a certain point, and it's converging upward across uh, multiple peaks and multiple values, valleys. And so when you look at it, like the RSI lines and when it's oversold, when it's bought, it's just like, listen, it's not going to work every time, but like you can follow the trends and see when it's happening. Looking at today, for example, it's trading, I think at 196 right now. And so if you look at it, like the candles as they move up, as they move down, it follows this nice pattern. And so like, as it starts probably, cons I mean, it can, it can keep running up, but based on what we've seen now, you know, it could easily kind of fall into like 170 range before it makes its nether leg back up to like, you know, on top of 200, even like 220, 230. And so like, if you're trading it, and this is why we trimmed it, if you're trading it, it's a good time to get out. If you're holding it for months and months and years, then you shouldn't be selling it. Like you shouldn't be thinking about this, like, oh, I'm going to make money now, or it's, I'm going to lose it. Everyone always ties their wealth to the peak of the asset price, which is just such a poor way to think about it. It's like, think about your cost basis. Think about where you want it to be in five years. Don't look at it. You know, think about like, if things are fundamentally changing, that's great, but the prices every day are going to drive easy. And so in that Discord channel, this is like, we're taking the trading view in terms of trying to capitalize on ups and downs and swings and, and play like the swing trading movement of it. But from a pure investing standpoint, like if you have Solana, like don't sell, like continue holding on. It's going to keep going up. I mean, no things a hundred percent, but again, like what we've seen so far, like this thing is here to stay and it should continue, you know, continue on that price appreciation journey. If you're trying to, to maximize it and squeeze every point of it. Yeah. There's, there's good trading opportunities and we'll calm out in the chat as soon as they come up. Precisely. And that's the main thing to think about. Like a lot of the main issue that is driving a lot of these forces, right, is how powerful the attention economy is these days. Elon Musk demonstrated to us that you can take a regular company and make it just magically 45% more valuable than it actually is on, on memes alone. No advertising, just be Elon Musk and boom, uh, Tesla at, back in 2017, 2018 was massively overvalued but managed to maintain that and rode that all the way to the S&P 500 and then rode that all the way to a trillion dollars. Uh, that, and that's the whole principle behind these meme coins as well. It's all hype, it's all marketing, it's all market sentiment. Sure, technical analysis kind of feels fake because it's just watching patterns, but if enough people believe in the pattern, it becomes kind of real, and there's this bizarre cyberpunk magic to the market right now. Uh, you, you, I'm, if you if you look at certain events, like uh, this is a really deep cut, I don't think anyone's going to get this, but if it's a bones day, certain stocks do better and do genuinely well, and that's something I've been thinking about doing a kind of joke post on, like making a bones day stock index. Mo moreover, as you as you, as you you watch this as well, just, just keep in mind that it's going to be very fast, but the fundament, there are fundamentals, just not ones you can analyze, right? Like you can trust in the fact that the crypto market is going to go up and down and up and down and up and down, but kind of trend upward. It's just the swings are going to be spectacular. Like nothing will ever, nothing will ever punch me in the mouth harder than getting into the very end of that first ETH spike when it then lost five sixths of its value in like three days. That was, that was an amazing moment in my 
my early crypto life. Um, it, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I w was there even at that particular peak now, especially, but it's one of those things where you have to understand you in, in Q4, you're going to see these wild swings. But if you are buying in Q3, if you're buying at a low point, there's no problem with holding these bigger coins, Solana and upwards for four or five years, you're going to see a five year upside. And that's really awesome for me because it's treating crypto as a, another way of bolstering your portfolio. When your portfolio is something you do to bolster your wages, the main game right now is using the market to make sure that you are beating inflation and increasing your wealth in a way that you don't have to worry about, you know, all of the kind of wild market forces that are coming at us. And that's what I'm really excited about as we continue to build stuff here. Justin, uh, I have kept you 15 minutes longer than we usually do, so I appreciate you staying for longer. You got any final thoughts for us before I go ahead and wrap this up? I tried to put a bow on it, at least on the crypto discussion, but would love any final thoughts you got, my dude. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, yeah, I think final thoughts, and I've like kind of reiterated this week over week now, but it's like um, the, these swings in the market definitely make investing a lot more fun. I'll fully admit that. I mean, I'm victim to it as all the time, but it's again, like this is why we say it every single time. Just like be a long-term investor, believe in stocks and companies and invest in them. And like, you will be wrong from time to time, but like those, those hopefully the amount of times you're you're right. And if you're following, trying to uh, to say, ultimately ends up getting you in a place you want to be, then like, you end up being right, then you're wrong and you'll, you'll make money and have conviction that you believe in. Seeing a stock down 20% and freaking out that you're losing money and trading it only to see it go back up 50% the next week, it's, it's just not doing anyone <laughs> any good. Um, if you're, you know, buying Dogecoin and it goes down 50%, yeah, maybe you should sell it. But like, it's clearly go down today and they have a little bit of a poor outlook. Like, you shouldn't be selling the stock just because the management team is being a little bit like cautious on what's going forward. You know, that may change in the quarters to come, but you know, we just have to continue looking past this, have this long mindset. It's it's more of a mindset shift than it is an actual like educational game into how to become a better investor. And so trying to impart some wisdom on everyone, but it's uh, it's a boring way uh, or a, a very responsible way to become, a, to make more money and to become a better investor. At the end of the day, that's why we're all doing this. Precisely. And if you want to be a better investor, a better person, or genuinely just increase the quality of your life, keep in mind the ultimate principle, boring is beautiful. The, the way you think about the world, the social internet wants you to focus on the very flashy, the very exciting. And if you're doing those things, you're probably making money for somebody else. But if you're finding the really dull stuff, the boring fundamentals, the things that nobody else is really paying attention to and iterating on top of those things, you're making money for you. And eventually you can, you know, build community around that and build meaning around that. So always seek out those dull fundamentals that still seem powerful to you. You'd be surprised. They're basically everywhere, but it's all about chain, like making sure that you don't get sucked in by the hype machine that yeah. surrounds all these products and getting into the mindset of changing your relationship with the market so that you, you are riding the market and the market is not riding you, so to speak. Yeah. And like once you, once you get to a level of wealth that you're comfortable with i mean do boring investments like no one wants to hear it but imagine having say you have a million dollars in the bank and you can find an investment that yields with a very low risk 10 percent a year so that's a hundred thousand dollars a year in income you know maybe that's good for some people it's not enough for others just once you get to that level of wealth be responsible find those boring investments you shouldn't be risking everything find investments that can compound over time of a small portfolio that can get you there faster great but the bulk of your portfolio should be in smart investments to get you to your goal where you can start generating income that can be a, an actual second source of income. That, that should be the goal here. Exactly. Side hustles, not so much. Uh, my side hustle is going to be the market. Um, either way, Justin Kramer, thank you so much for your time today. Aust audience, thank you so much for your amazing questions. Thank you so much for um, sending me DMs, you know, trying to figure out um, all the answers you have. Thank you for ju jumping in voice chat. Just thank you for being
being here in general. I'm just going to go ahead and read the credits, though, folks. It's been a really awesome time here. Just so you know, audience, this uh, podcast is produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr. Um, obviously, our main analyst here today was Justin Kramer, co-founder of Moby.co and chief analyst here at Moby.co as well. Audience, if you have any questions for us at all after this, feel free to A, DM me here on Discord, or B, you can email hello at Moby.co, and we can definitely get to any questions you have if there's any sort of deep dives you want us to do. Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, as well, if you're listening to a hypothetical podcast recording of this conversation, feel free to hit us up at Moby.co slash live. Um, otherwise, audience, it's been really great having you here, and as always, I'd like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much. Peace.